On behalf of Hospice of the Piedmont, welcome to this episode of the E-Series, an educational podcast aimed at engaging our community, exploring relevant topics, and educating about ways to connect with our organization. Funding for the E-Series is provided by the Dr. John A. Lusk Fund for Hospice and Palliative Care Education. My name is Ryan Biaccini, and I am your host. In today's episode, Trent Cockrum, CEO of Hospice of the Piedmont, is joined by April Franklin. April is the founder of Fresh Wave Care, LLC, and the creator of the Millennial's Guide to Caregiving brand. April has over 10 years of experience in the healthcare field and has a strong passion for addressing the needs of family caregivers, with a particular focus on reaching a new wave of caregivers, millennials, and male caregivers. You can read more about April in the show notes for this episode. Together, Trent and April will explore generational trends, including changes in family structure and financial stability that impact the caregiving experience for millennial caregivers. These individuals are the new sandwich generation, younger in their career, may even have a young family, and trying to balance these responsibilities with caring for aging family members. Let's listen in. So April, it is so great for you to join me today. I'm so appreciative of it. Um, you know, before we get started, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, sure. Um, thank you for having me. Um, very honored to be here to talk about caregiving. Um, so a little bit about me. I got involved in working with um, in the field of gerontology from an experience that I had in high school in the medical careers program where I worked at a nursing home and I formed a special bond with one of the residents there. And it just kind of sparked my interest in working in the field and wondering what possible careers there were out there. Um, so after I graduated, worked in healthcare for a few years and then went and, and got my master's degree from the gerontology program at UNCG. And it was in that program that I really found my specialty area of focus, which was caregiving. Um, and so from that, got an internship with AARP and we formed this special group at, at my church um, that focused on caregivers. And out of that formed a nonprofit that helped to serve the caregivers in the church and the surrounding community. And ever since then, I've just been working in, in different, different roles, trying to make sure that caregivers have the resources that they need in order to live better lives for themselves while they are taking care of their loved ones. And so that just kind of brings me to where we are today. Yeah. And you know, that's so important. Um, you know, AARP just recently released um, uh, a report on caregivers and in North Carolina specifically, there are estimated to be 1.29 million unpaid caregivers who are providing care every single day to North Carolinians. And they are living, as we've explored in past episodes, they're living down the street from us, across the street from us. They're connected to families that we know and, and are connected with in a variety of different ways as individuals. Um, and so bringing awareness to um, the needs of caregivers is something that we feel very passionate about. And it's always great to connect with like-minded folks like yourself. You know, I, I, I have to say though, um, beyond those, incredible uh, accomplishments. You've also written a book about millennial caregivers, which I think is really interesting, but what prompted you to do that? Well, after I graduated from grad school, I worked some time as a family caregiver support specialist. And in that role, I was responsible for creating workshops for the caregivers that we serviced. And I noticed that the 
caregivers who came to the workshops were all over the age of 50. Um, and information that we shared was very vital and great information. And it just kind of made me wonder, well, what about the younger caregivers? Um, what would happen if people got this information at a younger age? Um, and, you know, me, myself being a millennial caregiver, helping to take care of my um, grandparents along with this, alongside of my family members and parents, um, it just really sparked this mission of mine to help get millennial caregivers connected to the same resources that I saw older care, caregivers getting connected to. Yeah, so you know, you just hit on something that I think is really interesting. Um, first of all, I will say that as a as a Gen Xer, I appreciate the focus you've given to millennials, um, because one of the things that you just said um, reminded me, or makes me think about rather, um, the reality that even a millennial could be caring for one or two generations past them. Um, you know, they they could be caring right. for a grandparent, um, and uh, so let's let's talk though a little bit about. Um, I think we all know, sort of know what boomers are. You know, those are uh, folks who are you know between the ages of about fifty eight and you know seventy seven or so. But who are millennials? Um, so millennials were are born between the time period of nineteen eighty one and nineteen ninety six, and so with within any generation there are similarities, but some differences as well. Um, so you have millennial caregivers or millennials period who are establishing themselves in their careers. They're just getting started trying to figure out the whole adult life. Then you have older millennials who are more established in their careers, but also building families. Um, and so that creates a different dynamic when you bring up the conversation of caregiving and some of the challenges that each um, millennial may face during that time period. Yeah, because I suspect they're thinking about, well, gosh, I, at at my current age, you know, at, in my thirties, I'm not really prepared to care for someone who is of, you know, double my age, for example. That's that's not what I'm prepared for, right? Right. Um, there's so many concerns that come to mind, especially for somebody who's just now starting to get settled in their career. Um, you think about the financial implications of that, um, how it'll impact your social life. Um, it just kind of creates a lot of a fear of the unknown of how, how am I going to be able to do something like this? Mm -hmm. And, you know, similarly, uh, you know, the, the statistics on, uh, on sort of the married lives of, of, uh, or the, yeah, the married lives of millennials is particularly interesting, but, but, you know, most of the time in a caregiving situation, we, oftentimes find that it is not just the the child for example of a, of a of an of an older adult it often may involve the adult child's spouse too so millennials may not in fact have a supportive spouse to help shoulder the caregiving burden right um you're exactly right uh pew research has shown that only 44% of millennials um are married as of 2019 in comparison to other generations where there were 53% of Gen Xers, 61% of boomers, um, and 81% of the silent generation. Wow. So what that shows to me is that um, those individuals who are part of those generations, if they were to come upon a caregiving, certain caregiving situation, they may have more support than a millennial caregiver would in caring for um, a loved one, because you have somebody to share that financial burden and also that emotional burden that comes along with caregiving. Um, so 
those are some very serious implications to note with the differences in the generations when it comes to caregiving. Yeah. And so you also mentioned an interesting term to me. So, so I'm most decidedly a Gen Xer. I was born in 1974, you know, I'll be 49 this year. Uh, you know, to, to me, uh, millennials are a much younger uh, generation, right? Um, and though I know that some of them are, are closer to being my contemporaries than not, but, um, but you, you just mentioned that millennials may often find, we just had a conversation about the millennials may often find themselves caring for a generation, you know, either above them or uh, maybe even balancing in a sandwich kind of way, the caregiving responsibilities of their own family, plus the caregiving responsibilities of an older adult. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, right. So there's a term called the sandwich generation. Um, mm -hmm. And I like to think of the millennial generation as the new sandwich generation because we're <laughs> moving into that that space where, like you said, we're sandwiched in between two caregiving situations. Like, uh, for example, somebody could be taking care of an elderly parent, but also but also taking care of a young child as well. Mm -hmm. So you're pulled on both ends, trying to figure out how to balance that in addition to possibly balancing your career and everything else that you may have on, have going on in life. So yeah. it can also, it can create a you know very interesting dynamic. Hi friends, it's your host, Ryan Biagini. I'd like to take a moment to encourage you to subscribe and stay tuned to this podcast channel for exciting news and developments about how we support caregivers. As an organization, we are committed to advocating for those caring for others and creating innovative solutions to address the needs of caregivers. Now let's get back to the conversation. So I want to switch gears for just a moment. Um, you know, in a previous ep episode with Dr. Elise Eifert, whom I'm sure you probably know from your studies in gerontology at UNCG, yes. um, we talked about caregiver identity, which was a really fascinating uh, discussion. But one of the things I want to ask you, and maybe this is not specifically related to um, a millennial generation, but, but we often ascribe the traditional caregiving responsibilities to a female, whether that's right or wrong. That's just our traditional, you know, ex expectation, I think, as a society, right? So can you talk a little bit about how gender plays into a caregiver identity and does it mirror what other generations have experienced? Um, you, like, like you said, caregiving has typically been um, assigned to females over, over history. It's, it's a societal norm that uh, women are usually the, the caretakers, they're the nurturers. Um, so when it comes to self-identifying as a caregiver, sometimes men don't readily step into that role. Um, and so I think that it does impact caregiving um, and the resources that are available to male caregivers because they don't often readily identify, they don't often readily seek the resources that they need to help them within mm -hmm. that role. Um, and I think over time, more males have started to you know, self-identify as caregivers. I, I saw an article from AARP the other day that said that 40% of males are identifying as caregivers now. So with that increase in, in number, um, there comes a great need for more resources that are directly geared towards meeting their needs 
and helping them to navigate the waters of caregiving. Yeah. And, you know, it occurs to me that that men and I think I can say this about my own gender, um, we tend to be sort of I'm going to check the box kind of or I'm going to have a check the box sort of orientation. Right. Um, And so I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. Whereas the traditional role of females, particularly in the caregiving space, is to sort of look at it a bit more holistically. Is that fair? You actually bring up a great point. Um, I think men are are more task oriented rather than women who kind of think of the big picture. And it makes me think of this book um, called Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti. Um, when you think about <laughs> waffles, waffles have individual boxes where, you know, one box is not connected to the other. And so the book kind of talks about how men think of things in terms of boxes. They handle tasks one thing at a time. And so I think that they often approach caregiving the same way. So they're checking off the box of things that have, to, you know, things of the many things that have, have to be done. Whereas women think more like spaghetti. Spaghetti is all mixed up together. We think of how everything is interconnected, how this one task is going to affect this. Mm-hmm. And we approach caregiving the same way. And so I think they are interesting differences to note and also interesting to note in terms of how we approach providing resources and meeting the needs of of each type of caregiver. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's almost like the difference between very very linear thought, although spaghetti can be stretched out into a straight line, and sort of multidimensional thought, which is, you know, as we lay the spaghetti noodle down, it touches many other different noodles in the bowl. Um, And that is really sort of what happens when we're involved in potentially in a caregiving situation. I suspect that's the reality for most people is that is that one no one thing happens in isolation it happens as a, as part of a constellation of 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 or series of events that happen in someone's lives right um yeah so that's that's really interesting you know and so similarly i think we also sort of conceptualize females to sort of extend this gender discussion for just another brief moment we oftentimes conceptualize females as being more readily available to do the what I might what many people may consider the more gruesome caregiving tasks, and I can elaborate on that. You know, I had a I had a good friend. Uh, uh, we were helping him take care of his of his mother. Our organization was, and he calls me before his mom came on service, and he says, "Trina, I have to ask you a question." He said, "Who's going to do the gross stuff? Because I don't think I'm I'm not going to be able to do that." And and by that, you know, he was talking about incontinence care and and things that are incredibly personal and intimate that are difficult for, in this case, a son to assign to himself to do for his mother. But yet we can easily ascribe that responsibility to a female. And just interesting how we sort of relate those gender specific duties and responsibilities. You have a comment on that? Um, Yeah, it it tends. I think women tend to have more experience when you think about um, women caring for children and changing diapers and things of that nature. Not to say that men can't do that. Not saying that at all. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you very much. (laughs) Not to say that men can't do that. But, you know, going back to the whole conversation about women being natural nurturers and, and carers, they tend to have that more experience in that area. And so they have more comfortability in that area as well. Um, However, 
if you are a man and you find yourself in that situation, I would encourage you to say, you know, it's okay to have those feelings. Um, it's uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable situation to see your loved one needing that type of care and you having to be the person to handle that care. Um, so don't beat yourself up about it, but I would shift the conversation to, well, who can we do, who can we get to help with this particular type of care? Um, and also to just remember that as embarrassing as it may be for you, it's probably embarrassing for your loved one as well. And when you think about it from their standpoint and what they must be feeling having to get help in that particular area, um, it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit because you realize that you're you're meeting them in their most vulnerable time of need and you're able to help them get through that time period. Mm -hmm. um, so just try to shift the focus, I would say a little bit on it um, and see how you can move from, you know, how am I gonna do this to who can I get to help me do this and right. how we can make it a good experience for my loved one. Or, or how can we normalize this in a non-intrusive way? Right. Right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it is about helping the other person with a need that they may have um, and let's overcome that implicit bias that we know we all have in doing things that would feel otherwise uncomfortable to us, right. um, uncomfortable yet necessary. Um, and, you know, we know that caregivers do this every single day, regardless right. of their gender, and they really should be uh, applauded um, uh, for that. You know, so I'll ask an, one last gender question um, is what sort of resources resonate with male caregivers specifically? I will say that I think there could be a better job done reaching out to male caregivers specifically. Um, and I think the focus should shift to making connections with them from a more social standpoint rather than focusing on the emotional aspect uh, initially. So for example, um, caregiver support groups are a very, very vital, important tool where you can discuss the emotional tolls of caregiving. Um, but men tend to not readily share their emotions like women often do. So for example, you might want to do like a social outing to a sporting event to create some camaraderie um, mm -hmm. and then have that to open the door to them sharing more about what's going on um, within their personal lives or within, with in their caregiving situation. Um, so I see the approach to helping male caregivers is to create that fellowship, that camaraderie, and then opening the, opening the door to really hear what their needs are from an emotional standpoint, or even a hands-on standpoint, because it may be something that they're struggling with that they don't really feel, I guess, safe opening up to others right. about. Um, right. So, You know, one of the threads that I think we've touched on in this conversation today um, is uh, this realization that caregiving doesn't necessarily fall on people of an advanced age. Um, you know, it can happen to any of us at any age. Um, and we can sort of find ourselves, whether through as some evolutionary process, uh, becoming a caregiver or some through, through some other sort of more acute event that happens that we find ourselves in a caregiving role. Do you have any commentary about that? I'm, you know, just interested in your thoughts on that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, when I first started this journey on supporting millennial caregivers, my focus came from my background in gerontology and working with um, the senior pop population. Um, but on this journey, I've met so many millennial caregivers who are taking care of either children with intellectual disabilities or a spouse that may have had an illness. And so they've had to, you know, give up their lives to care for them. And so like you, you mentioned, caregiving can impact you from all different angles. It's not mm -hmm. just um, from taking care of a, a senior member of your family or an elder member. Right. You know, I think at the end of the day, um, really what we've explored here uh, today um, is that we all have a responsibility, regardless of our age, if we're a millennial or a Gen Xer or a boomer, you know, it's rare, likely that we still have a silent generation who's caring for others in the silent generation, but that's still possible. Um, you know, is that we, we all can recognize that we're either going to need it, we're going to do it, or both, as it relates to caregiving. And the message is clear that whether we're a caregiver or a care recipient, this is going to happen to us uh, at some point in our right. lives. Um, and so it's good messaging to a millennial audience. So I commend you for the work in the field. But, you know, I'll also ask you, is there anything that you want to share with our listeners about any of the work that you've done or any of your caregiving, your own caregiving experiences that you think would be helpful to them beyond the pearls of wisdom that you've already shared with them today? The main thing that I would leave with any caregiver that is listening is that your caregiver journey really is all about you. Um, mm. You have to make sure that you are taking care of yourself and that you are pouring back into yourself so that you can take care of your loved one um, the best way possible. Yeah. Um, if you're not healthy, if you're not um, getting what you need, your loved one is not going to be able to get what they need. So make sure that you take care of you. Wow. That's powerful. April, thank you so much for being with me today. This has been such a wonderful conversation and so wonderfully insightful too. Um, I appreciate the commentary that you shared and your thoughts about millennial caregivers and the interesting segue we had um, related to, to gender, um, which has also been really interesting to explore with you. So thank you for being with us today. I really thank appreciate it. Thank you so it. much for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the E-Series. We're excited about our upcoming podcast episodes that will highlight a variety of incredible guests from our community. You won't want to miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you listen to podcasts so that you'll receive a notification as each episode publishes. Until then, I'm Ryan Biagini, and this has been the E-Series.